Well, this morning uh, we're going to be continuing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've been working our way through one of Jesus' most famous sermons for uh, much of the year. And last week, Scott uh, brought us the section looking at who are we going to serve. And I changed my password this week and I forgot it. There we go. Great. Um, and so today we're going to be looking at Matthew six twenty-five to 34. But before we do that, I want to do something a little bit different. Now, if you come to our PM services, you would recognize this slide. Something that we do at our PM services is we take an opportunity in our services to stop and to reflect on these three questions, provision, inspiration, and transformation. And we celebrate what God has been doing in our lives. And normally we have a little bit of time to think about it ourselves and then we share with some people around us. Now, we're going to do things a little bit differently this morning. We're not going to do any sharing. And I actually, I want to just focus on one question. Provision. Where or how has God provided for you in your life? When I, when I think about this question, one of the things that pops up very clearly in my mind, when Emma and I and the girls moved to Alice Springs, we didn't have a house uh, to move into straight away. But as we were doing the preparation for the move, I happened to be a little bit cheeky in one of my emails organizing something else and just ask, by the way, if you happen to know of any good houses for rent, let me know. And somebody happened to say, well, I'm actually going to be away for a couple of months at the start of the year. Do you want a house sit for us so that you can find somewhere? That is God's provision. And I want to just take a moment. I want you to just sit and think and ask yourself the question, how has God cared for you or for someone else? Might be this week, this month, this year, just sometime in your life. Where have you seen God's provision? Let's just take a, a minute to reflect on that. Now, as you've been sitting there, there's probably been a lot of thoughts going through your head, one of which is probably, gee, when you're sitting in a room with other people, a minute is a really long time. But hopefully you've been able to think of a story of God's provision. 
where God has provided for you. And I want to encourage you, just take that story for a moment and park it because we're going to come back to that uh, in a little bit. Now, our passage for today is Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34, and it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about, about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think we've all had days where we can agree with that last statement. You know when you have a day. This passage is building on everything that has come before. And the core idea that Jesus is wanting us to understand, that he's wanting us to do, is this. Seek First, God's kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. This is the idea that Jesus keeps repeating and keeps building on throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount. That's why this passage starts with a therefore right at the start. And all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been building this beautiful picture of what it means and what it looks like for God's kingdom for God's rule to be here on earth. You know, it's about those who are on the outside who get welcomed in and blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will be filled. It's a picture that paints a people who are trustworthy. You know, their yes is yes, their no is no. You can trust what they're going to say. It's a people who see anger as such a serious thing. It is as serious as murder. That as soon as something happens, they want to go and restore relationship. They want to go and fix it. This is an image where people are filled with a desire to give generously beyond what is asked or demanded of them. You know, if they ask you to go one mile, go two. If they ask you for your cloak, give them your shirt as well. It is an image of a people who are generous and a people who give without even thinking of a reward back to them. But they just give. He's building a picture of a people who see that serving God and following God is more important than serving money. This picture, just imagine if this is what the people 
of this church, of this town, were like. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It sounds like a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful kingdom place. And yet, the reality is 2,000 years after Jesus spoke these words, we look out and it's not what we see. And so I have to ask the question, what is it that is stopping us from seeking first the kingdom of God? What is it that is stopping us from actually putting these things into practice, from actually living our lives and our ways in this way? And in this passage, Jesus unpacks some of what is actually stopping us, some of what is getting in the way. Verse 25 says this, Therefore, I tell you, You know, therefore, if you've chosen to serve God and not money, if you've chosen to have your treasures in heaven and not here on earth, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, I want to just clarify, Jesus isn't saying that we need to give up food or drink, and he is definitely not saying that we have to give up clothes. Please don't. There will be complaints. The idea that Jesus is getting at here is that we all have worries, we all have fears that distract us from what God is calling us to do. And, you know, I never actually realized how much I let fear stop me from seeking first the kingdom of God until I met somebody who just kind of does it naturally. Back when Emma and I were dating, uh, she'd been round at my house and it was time for her to go home. She lived about 15 minutes away in the next township over, so we said goodbye and I knew I wasn't going to be getting any texts for a little while because she was going to be driving. So I put my phone down. About 10 minutes later, I just happened to look at my phone and I see a couple of texts from Emma. Some drunk guy just threw a block of wood at my car. I'm going to pull over and see if he's okay. Now, the boyfriend in me immediately goes, what, what happened? Is everything okay? Nothing. I try calling. Nothing. She's driving. Anyway, about 10 or 15 minutes after this, I finally get a message back because she'd gotten home at that point. Some A drunk guy had thrown a block of wood at her car and her instinctive reaction was not, I'm going to call the cops, I'm going to drive off anywhere else. Her instinctive reaction was, I'm going to stop and see if he's okay. And then she gave him a lift home, completely oblivious to what her two messages did to me. Now, the thing about that is, I never thought that I was somebody that would let my worry and my fear distract me from what God's calling me to do. And yet that situation, my mind just gets full of what-ifs. What could happen? And also just as a little asterisk and as, as, as an aside, if a drunk guy throws a block of wood at your car, I'm not saying that you should stop. I'm just talking about what it looks like to love without thinking. See, my mind gets so full of the what-ifs that I kind of get caught in this decision paralysis and the opportunity passes. I let fear and I let worry 
stop me. Sometimes we get so caught up in thinking, well, I can't actually share this thing that I have because what if I need it later on? Or what if my family needs it or my friends? What, what if this is going to become important? I can't give this jumper that I'm wearing to somebody who's cold because what if I don't get it back? This is my favourite jumper. It's kind of absurd when you think about it like that, and yet I'm sure that we've all had situations similar. You know, I can't give this money away because what if there's an emergency? What if it's needed? See, Jesus has just finished talking about choosing to follow God and not serve money, to focus on our treasures in heaven, not what we have here. And so as he speaks about these fears and these worries, he's speaking directly to the excuses that are appearing in people's minds. These are the things that are showing up as they have listened to this Sermon on the Mount. And what is his answer and his solution to this fear and this worry? Well, in the words of the great comedy company theologian, Con the fruiterer, it doesn't matter. He says, don't worry about it. Now, I have to kind of say, if you tell somebody not to worry about it, that's kind of like telling someone, don't think about purple elephants. Because I know what just popped into all of your minds right now, right? Purple elephants. But Jesus doesn't just leave it at, don't worry about it. Instead, he gives us something to hold on to and something to encourage us as we put it down. Matthew 6, 26 to 30 say, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? See, Jesus' answer for understanding that we are full of fear, that that fear is stopping us from seeking the kingdom of God. His answer to that fear is to remind us of who God is. And our God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. I have this banner hanging in my office and it has various names of God, of who he is I have it hanging there because it's a reminder to me regularly of the hope that I have, the encouragement that I have, and who God is. And that one at the top, the Lord, my provider, Jehovah Jireh. It's an important one. It's one that I love. Because when fear stops us from seeking first God's kingdom, Jesus points us to Jehovah Jireh. He points us to God being our provider. Now, this name of God, this title that he has, this comes from the Old Testament. It comes from the story of Abraham where God called Abraham to take his son Isaac, the son that he loved, the promised son, 
and to sacrifice him and was a test of Abraham's faith. And as they're walking along, Isaac kind of cottons on that, hang on, we're doing a sacrifice, but there's no lamb here. What's going on? And Abraham's response, God will provide. I think he was hoping at that point. But then God did provide. And so at that place, Abraham calls it Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. But this title of God is something that we see throughout the whole story of the Bible. It is this title of a God who cares about his people, who loves his people, and who knows what we need. And so he provides it for us. And here in this passage, Jesus is building on that title of God. The people listening to him would have known this title, and he's kind of expanding it a little bit because he's pointing at creation. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers of the field. See how God provides for them so that they can do what they need to do, so that they can do what they were created to do. Because when God is providing for us, we don't have to fear because it removes the expectation that we have to provide everything, that we have to do things in our own strength. And instead we can be encouraged about what God's doing. But this idea of God providing for us, of God being our Jehovah Jireh, it actually tells us some really important truths about who God is. See, the first one that it teaches us and it reminds us is that God is active. We don't follow a God who created the world and put everything in motion and he's now just sitting back on his lazy boy armchair watching the world like it's an episode of Home and Away because it's not a very good episode. Our God cares. Our God is active. He is involved in the world around us. He is involved in what is happening around us and to us and for us. God didn't just stop being involved with the world when the Bible was created or finished. He is still active today. Our God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is involved in this world. He is engaged in this world today. And so when God is providing for us, when we're able to see his provision we are reminded that we follow a living, dynamic, and vibrant God who cares about us, who's actively intervening in the world. The next thing that it teaches us, that we actually matter to God. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? We matter to God. We are valuable to God. We are his creations. In fact, we are in all of creation the only things made in the image of God. We are, we are important to him. In spite of our mistakes, in spite of our sin, in spite of our failures, God cares about us and he loves us. And that means that from God's eyes, we actually have worth. That worth isn't dependent on what we own or what we have or what we do. Our worth 
comes from the eyes of God. It comes from the fact that we are his creations, that we are made in his image. And so if our worth comes from there, then that gives us, that speaks against so many of the fears that we have so that we can actually step out, so that we can uh, seek first God's kingdom. And the third thing is, God knows our needs. God knows exactly what we need. Now, when, when something matters to you, you're going to take an interest in it, right? You're going to focus on it. If, you, if the football matters to you, you are going to know what is going on with the football. Somebody made a comment to me this morning about who was through to the grand final. I had no idea. Football does not matter to me. Football does not appear, and I know that I've just fallen in a lot of people's estimations there. It's okay. We are a loving and grace-filled church. If something matters to you, you care about it, you put effort into it, you know about it. God, if we matter to God, then God cares about us. He knows what we need. Verse 32 say, for the pagans run after these things, things that you eat and drink and what you're going to wear. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, sometimes our fear is, but what if, what if we don't get what we need? But God knows exactly what we need. God created us. You know, I love Psalm 139. God knit us together in our mother's womb. Knitting is not a word of just it happened. It is a word of intention and effort and time. And so God knows us intimately. God cares about us intimately. And so when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he's taught them, give us today our daily bread. Give us today what we need. But the thing is, God knows what we need better than we know. In the wilderness when Israel left Egypt, God was there and he gave them manna. He gave them exactly enough for the day. And then the day before the Sabbath, he gave them exactly what they needed for the day and the next day. God knew what they needed. God knows what we need as well. And so these three truths, that God is active, that we matter to God, that God knows our needs, these truths are things that encourage me. These truths are things that give me hope, that help me to have something to hold on to in amongst my fear. There's something solid that I can remind myself of and go, you know what, because of that I can actually step forward and I can do these things that I'm scared about. I can seek first the kingdom. I can stop for a drunk guy who throws a block of wood at my car. So let's go back to the start of today. Let's go back to those God stories. You thought of a time when God provided for you. Just think about that for a moment. Can you see the way that God was active in that? The way that God was moving and involved?
can you see the way that 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 situation shows that you matter to God, that you have worth to God? And what I love about these stories of provision is so often they show that God knows exactly what we need. It's not necessarily the idea we have in our heads because so often these stories, as the cliche goes, God works in mysterious ways. It is an answer that comes from a different direction. But can you see in that story that God knows exactly what you need? See, I love, I love the God stories that we do on a Sunday night because sometimes I find it hard to see where God's active in my life. I, sometimes I find it hard to see God's provision and so hearing the stories from somebody else remind me and they spark something in me that I go, oh, you know what, I have actually seen God working. These stories of God's provision remind us of those core truths of God. They remind us of what he's doing and has done and will continue to do. But more than that, God provides for us so that we may seek God's kingdom. God provides for us so that we have the encouragement and the hope and the strength so that we can step through the fear, through the uncertainty, through anything that comes up to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to seek first that beautiful picture that Jesus is describing through the Sermon on the Mount. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I want to just say thank you for the ways that you provide for us. Thank you that because of what you have done, what you do in our lives, it reveals those truths about you that you are active, that you are involved, that we matter to you, that you know exactly what we need. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to help us to see those situations where you are at work in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I pray that... I pray that as we see where you are at work, that you would give us the strength and the courage to step out of the fear and the excuses that fill our minds so that we can seek first you and your kingdom. God, we thank you that you are our provider always and we look to you. Lord, these things we pray in your name. Amen.